chapter 9 is verse 1. You there, you can give me an amen. Read this two weeks ago, started this two weeks ago, and I'm going to continue with it today. But Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1 said, Wisdom has builded her house. She hath hewn out seven pillars. Everybody say seven pillars. All right, flip back a chapter to chapter 8 and verse 12. And we will read from there. High wisdom, dwell with prudence. Find out knowledge of intentions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way. In the forward mouth do I hate. It was on to say, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank the opportunity to be here today. So open our hearts and minds and our understanding to what you have for us today. In the wonderful mighty name of Jesus. Church, say amen. 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 Well, week before last, last week was um, um, the uh, back school bash, so I didn't, of course, talk about this. The week before this, I started a little series on entitling the seven pillars of wisdom. Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom, according to one Bible dictionary, it is the right use or exercise of knowledge. The choice of laudable ends and of the best means to accomplish them. Wisdom is an act, effect, or practice. If you have a pen and pencil, you may want to keep it handy today. I'm going to throw you more scriptures than you may want. <laughs> um, and you'll probably see as we go. But in this text, we see, it talks about some of this last time. Some of you might not have been here, so let me just go back over and refresh a little bit at the beginning of this. <clears throat> we see a woman. She's called Wisdom. And building a house, a house that she has cut from seven stone pillars. She wanted Wisdom to have a permanent place to live. Where the house would be supported by pillars, not just any pillars, Brother Donnie, but the perfect number of pillars, seven pillars, God's perfect number. We see this so much through the word of God. So chapter nine says she built up the seven pillars. We back up to chapter eight and we see what is most likely are seven pillars. I give them last week and they give them again today. The first pillar was prudence and knowledge. And discretion is the second. The third is the fear of the Lord. Fourth is counsel. The fifth is sound wisdom. The sixth is understanding. And seven is strength and power. Last, uh, the first week I talked about this, and the only one, I guess, outside of this one is we looked at the uh, pillars one and two. The first one being prudence. By say prudence. The first pillar of wisdom is prudence. Prudence is careful. It's sensible. Everybody say sensible. 
You know anybody don't got any sense nowadays? I know a few. It's sensible. It's careful. It's a prudent person carefully thinks through situations and their possibilities, their consequences, and, and, uh, and they act according to some good sense. Amen. The prudent person is a wise person in handling just practical matters. And they use good judgment and just common sense. That is the beginning of wisdom, folks, is prudence. Prudence is that first pillar of wisdom. And once we have, just start to use everybody, God give everybody good common sense. And we may not believe that. But Brother Don, it's true. You're right, brother. As, as I said in the first time, uh, prudence is good common sense. One person said, like, yes, common sense is like deodorant. The people who use it the most or need it the most don't use it. Right? Amen. But prudence is that first pillar. And then next, prudence will bring us to knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion is, um, we see, he says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. And prudence helps me. It said, I find knowledge and discretion. So wisdom finds knowledge and discretion. The Hebrew word for discretion is mesma. And it means power of forming plans. This is what this knowledge and discretion means. In other words, it's using a wise uh, decision making to come up to, to plot or to think out some good ideas of how to do something. All right? It means possessing or showing sound judgment. It, it means a keen perception. Someone who can reason and plan the best direction to head in. So, what, what does that mean? That means common sense. All right? Here we go. Let me, tell you, let me just give you a good explanation for, real quick. If, if I'm standing, let's say, in the midst of a, an area and I need to get to the other side, and in front of me, I'll look and here's this big uh, goalie in front of me, and I have choices. I can, I mean, I'm talking about, about a goalie 100 foot wide. Brother Donnie, I can back up and I can run and I can try to jump across it. That wouldn't be using common sense. That wouldn't be using prudence. But common sense brings you to knowledge of discretion. It causes me to stop, scope out the situation. Is there any stairs that lead down and stairs is coming up? Is there a bridge possibly that I can cross? And this is what prudence, this is the beginning of what knowledge does to us. And this is the seven pillars that I'm talking about. God gives us good sense to just look. All of a sudden, let's take it into a spiritual realm. All, all right. All of a sudden, I have a problem with an addiction in my life. Let's just use pornography, for example. Usually it's a child thing, but I don't know. God give it to me. Maybe perhaps where you may be dealing with. If not, maybe you got somebody you're dealing with and you can explain this to them. Pornography. Let's use this for example. All of a sudden, you come up from the world and God delivers you, but you're battling pornography. Well, common sense says I can't continue to look at pornography. Knowledge and discretion helps me to figure out a plan how to do it. Well, how am I looking at pornography? Well, if you're looking at your phone, common sense brings you to the fact that you some knowledge and discretion to make a plan to stop looking at pornography. How do you do that? Well, it may take deleting everything off your phone that causes you to look at it. You cut it off. You put a plan. Somebody says, God has called me to be an evangelist. 
Well, guess what? If you're going to be an evangelist, you're not going to start preaching two weeks after uh, preaching revivals, two weeks after you, uh, uh, or you're called to preach. Prudence and wisdom and knowledge brings you to the place. Okay, if I'm ever going to be a real evangelist, I first got to start to pray. I got to learn how to get a hold of God. So you know what you begin to do? You use common sense and say, I develop a prayer life and I pray every day. And the next thing you know, God opens up doors for you. Oh, a beautiful example about this. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Some of you perhaps have. His name is Raymond Woodward. He's the most, one of the most uh, incredible. You maybe have never heard of him. If you have, you need to go to YouTube and look up Raymond Woodward. He is a revelatory preacher of our time. And this is the thing, Brother Cliff. I've never heard of Raymond Woodward until about six or seven years ago. I never understood why. I'm like, why has this guy got so many, so much wisdom? He's from Canada. Why has he got so much wisdom? And now all of a sudden, boom, there he is. Well, God, he felt the call to preach for the day. He went to his pastor, and his pastor said, no, you're not a preacher. You're a minister of this church. You're not a preacher. She went the man down. He said, I know God had called me to preach, but I stand subjection to my pastor. So every Sunday, he prepared for a sermon like he was going to preach every Sunday. He'd done this for 20 years. Until finally, you know what he was doing? He's using common sense. I know God's called me, but he's using wisdom and discretion, Brother David, to get him prepared and make a plan to do what he felt like God was going to call him. And all of a sudden, the pastor, maybe they changed pastor, I don't know exactly how it worked. All of a sudden, uh, when somebody recognized, okay, you are a preacher. And then out of nowhere, we see Raymond Woodward becomes revelatory to the United Pentecostal Church, and he's preaching general conference, he's preaching all these places. Why? He used common sense. And put a plan in action instead of sucking up, get mad, and all that kind of stuff. And the next thing you know, he's one of the most revelatory preachers we have right now in the United Pentecostal Church. And if you've never looked at him, heard him, you need to search Raymond Woodward on YouTube. He's incredible. All right. You never think it's going to talk that much about that part of the day, but just felt that need. Somebody say wisdom. First pillar is prudence, which leads us to the second pillar which is knowledge and discretion, which causes us to learn. Wisdom causes you to use your common sense to plan some good actions in your life. And these first two, of prudence and knowledge and discretion, knowledge and discretion is together. Basically what it's doing is saying you use your knowledge, your common sense knowledge, to make a plan for your life. All right? They bring us to the next door, which is... The fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Listen to the verses again. High wisdom dwell with prudence. It's Proverbs 8 and 12. Then read it. High wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. True wisdom is firmly grounded in the fear of the Lord. It is causes us to be free from the from this world's wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, we live in a time when people fear a lot of things. Fear a lot. How do you know that, my Lord? Because there's people in depression all across this nation. The root of depression is fear. The root of depression is fear. Because you're afraid of something. 
And we fear things. People fear crimes. They fear having auto accidents. Some don't. They drive 80 everywhere they go. Um, fear of storms. I mean, it starts lightning and thunder. You hate storms. Right? There's a few. I guess I'm different. I go stand at the door and watch them. <laughs> this is something we're, that, that does bother us here. Mass shootings in the hour that we're living in. School shootings. Man, it's something very, people's afraid of it. Terrorists. Think, thankful that's not as bad as it was, but still, it's that threat. Earthquakes. People are afraid of demons. Me and Sister Sherman walking last night. We've been trying to do a lot more walking, walking two, three times a week. The place we've been going walking is um, a lot is at Dawson at Rosedale. The cemetery, the big old cemetery out there. If you walk every one of you, it's almost like 1.7 miles. So we went last night like 8.30. My wife said, you know, the people I work with, they wouldn't they wouldn't walk out here because they're afraid. Who would walk in the cemetery night now? Anybody there? Sister Shaker goes down there. I would. I do it all the time. Wow, they're dead. <laughs> I ain't worried about them. But see, we're afraid of things. We're afraid of demons. People are afraid of the devil himself. But afraid of our God in heaven? Fear God? Why would God tell us to fear him? See, we need to realize that there is a fear of God that doesn't produce good results. This terrifying, paralyzing fear is likely what a lot of people have come to mind when they say, you've got to fear the Lord. People begin to think, well, I've got to be terrified of it. You see, the Bible shows us a lot of examples of fear that's wrong. Think about these scriptures here. James 2.19, very strong, powerful one, oneness scripture, but it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble that the devil's afraid of God. Matthew 25 and 25, we see where the unprofitable servant, it was corrected for being wicked and lazy. He made the excuse. He said, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Instead of using it productively, he was afraid to use what God gave him. Revelations 21 and 8. No doubt you've heard that probably song. Revelations, Revelations 21 and 8. Did I sing it for them? Liars go to hell. They spoke of liars, but it, has a, it tells all the different people going to hell. And one of them is fearful or the cowardly. But we're sitting here saying that you're supposed to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is one of the, 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 the pillars of wisdom. Yes, it is. You see, that type of fear does not have a positive end. Obviously, this fear is not what God is looking for. I'll never forget it, Sister Stephanie. I was sitting in my mom's living room. It was the year of 2003. I was a youth pastor at Star Bethlehem. And at the time, I was also the teen Sunday school teacher. Sitting there, and just out of the blue, mom was in the kitchen. I remember just me and her sitting there out of the blue. She just walked in there, stood. I, I can envision it right now. Me sitting there, and her just coming and sitting in the, the kitchen, the, and their, their den kind of just combined together. And I'm sitting on the couch, just here coming, just standing there, putting her arms on her hips, and saying, 
Son, you know what you need to teach your young people? I'm just out of blue, you know, we need talking spiritual stuff. I said, what's that, Mom? She said, you need to teach them about the fear of the Lord. I thinking about it. I decided she was right after I did a little study. I began to study on the subject. But Donnie, the next thing you know, I mean, I, I studied for my Sunday school class every week, and I'd spend, you know, an hour or so on it, or use it around that time, getting ready for Sunday school. But I began to study. I studied. And the next thing I know, I studied. The next thing I know, I have spent five to six hours studying on this subject of the fear of the Lord. I thought, my goodness, I'm just barely tapping into this. And I taught it. Seemed like it went well. And it was just a few weeks later, uh, at that time, my pastor, Pastor Fuller, asked me, he said, uh, I want you to preach the midweek service. And as I prayed about it, I felt so strongly to talk to the whole body of the church about this subject all of a sudden that I'm digging in that spent five or six hours in the fear of the Lord. And I spent another four or five hours digging in on this subject of the fear of the Lord. And I have taught it to the church, not like I'm teaching today, but I taught it to the church when there's a storefront back several years ago. And I spent again more hours. And again, I've spent some more time. So this probably is the subject I have studied more than anything else in my entire life when it comes to big sitting behind the pulpit. And I probably have, I don't know, I have 20, 30 hours in this subject. And I could put a lot more. You see, the fear of the Lord is one of the seven pillars, but it's so integral. It's so important. The fear of the Lord is so important to our walk with God. And today, people are not living for God in the place they need to be, or they're not living for God at all, Brother Donnie, based on their perception of what the fear of the Lord truly is. The church does not understand the fear of the Lord, but it is the, a very significant part of us living a victorious life in God. You see, those who do not fear God, they become so familiar with God's Spirit and His Word in the church that it doesn't bother them at all. They, people who don't really fear God with the right perspective, the real fear of the Lord, they, they don't have a proper perspective of God. And they 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 have they, they can act irrelevant around the things of God and the house of God. They lose their lifestyle distinctness of what God has called us to be. The man begins to lose his distinctive and the woman begins to lose her distinctive and we, we forget our roles of what God has called because we don't understand the fear of the Lord. They begin to lose respect for the man of God and the saints of God. And they eventually fall into a very ungodly behavior because there's a fence that's called fear that's gone out of their life. The fear of the Lord is so important. Everybody say fear God. It's more than just respecting God. It's giving Him a place of glory in our life. It's giving Him a place of honor and reverence and thanksgiving and praise. It's giving God a place of preeminence and supremacy in our lives that He deserves. Notice it's what He deserves. It's not what, what we think He deserves, but it's what He deserves. When we fear God, we esteem His desires Above our own desires. But see, here's a problem. Most of us does not have the fear of God. We have what's called the fear of man. 
fear man is to stand in anxiety and awe, cowering before mortal man. See, those who fear man live on the run all the time, hiding from harm and reproach, and constantly avoiding rejection from man, confrontation from man, so busy safeguarding themselves that they are ineffective in their service of God because they have more fear of man than they do a fear of God. I said here all that talking about tithing is a simple example. You know what? We, work, we, we get up and go to work. We'll make sure we send in the light bill, the phone bill, because we're afraid, we're afraid man's going to shut off our phones and our power. We're going to not worry about the tithing because we fear God less than we do man. See, if you don't walk in the fear of the Lord, you are walking in the fear of man. There is no other option. You're not afraid of the devil. You're afraid of man. You're afraid of man or you're afraid of the Lord. See, Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth trust, his trust in the Lord shall be safe. We can trust him. We can put our trust in God and not in man. You see, the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a trap, which it takes away our power to do what's really right and not what we think man thinks is right. A person who fears man will offend the one who uh, he cannot see in order to uh, not to offend the one that he can see. We're more afraid of offending a man than we are offending God. And we're, those who fear man constantly seek to uh, uh, preserve themselves and protect themselves in times of, of hardship. So with all that said, how is important? How important is it for us to fear the Lord? Let's listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 through 29. Wherefore, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby we serve God acceptably with reverence. That word reverence is to regard with great awe and devotion, example, worship, adore, idolize, reverence. He said, we serve God acceptably with reverence and a godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. We serve him with reverence and fear. When we do that, we become acceptable to God, Brother Donnie. And we become blessed. As the psalmist wrote in Psalms 128 and 1, he said, Blessed is everyone that feared the Lord, that walketh in his ways. He went on to say in Psalms 112, uh, verse 1, he said, Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that feared the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. When we fear the Lord, we're blessed people. How am I blessed if I'm fearing God? So let's just talk about what type of fear does God want us to have? What's the meaning of fear? The fear of the Lord. The main Hebrew Greek words translated fear in the Bible, it has several different, um, I guess, shades of meaning if you if said it that way. In context of the fear of the Lord, it gives a positive reverence. The Hebrew verb yar it can mean to fear, to respect, to reverence. The Hebrew word uh, yarar, it usually refers to the fear of God 
and it's viewed as a positive quality. Fear acknowledges God's good intentions. When you look at it and say, I fear him because I don't get good intentions for me, not bad ones. Fear is produced. How's it produced? Simple, folks. God's word. It makes us receptive to wisdom and knowledge. All right? The Greek noun phobos can mean reverent, reverent fear of God, not a mere fear of his power. This is according to Vine's uh, expository dictionary. It says uh, it's a reverent fear of God, not a fear of his power and righteous revenge, but a wholesome dread of displeasing him. In other words, I don't want to displease him. The type of fear that you see that Luke wrote about in the book of Acts chapter 9, 31, when he said the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. He said, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. They multiplied. They was multiplied when they began to fear the Lord. I want to tell you what. One of the greatest revivals that ever happened in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 5. When the men and my Sapphire walked in and they said, we're going to give X amount to the Lord, but instead they sold it and they kept part and gave part to the Lord and they lied. Peter said, why did you lie to the Holy Ghost for? The man dropped dead. A few hours later, he comes to the same thing. It's the men who packed your husband out going to pack you out too. And the Bible says, great revival because the fear of the Lord came upon the people. We need that type of revival. I'm not talking about somebody dropping dead. Don't want nobody dropping dead. When it happens, amen. One resource put this summary. It's Nelson's uh, King James uh, Version Study Bible says this. It has a note about this. It said the fear of God is an attitude of respect, response, or reverence. Wonder. It's only appropriate response it's our only appropriate response to our creator. You see, the purpose of the fear of the Lord, if you study the Bible, there's no mistaking the repeated commands in the word of God that we have to fear God. Over and over and over, fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. If you're reading through the Bible right now, if you'll just begin, if you've got a computer, if you've got a if you want to Google it, just search the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, you're going to see it over and over and over, repeated, repeated, repeated. We have to have this in our life. In fact, Proverbs 1 and 7, King Solomon explaining why he wrote the book of Proverbs. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. See, if we look at all the words that all these people wrote in the Word of God, we see so much about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Psalms 11 10 said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding. Have all those that do his commandments he, his praise and fears forever. David went on to write in Psalms 34 and 11. Uh, he said, Come, you children, hearken to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. He goes on to tell us how to do that in verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking. God depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You see, a healthy fear of God includes a fear of the consequences of disobedience. I'm going to tell you what, Brother Don. I see things that people do, and I'm thinking, 
There's no way I can do that. No way. No way. There may be times that we go through temptations and trials and we may forget some things, but when you begin to think of the consequences, what if I do this and God comes back right now? What if I decide to slip away from God? I've thought about them times when I was cold and indifferent, Brother Donnie, and something had to get a hold of me, and the fear of God needs to get a hold of us where we realize, you know what? If God comes back right now, where am I going to be? You see, reverence of God helps us to take him and his law seriously. I don't know if you realize it, but this is real. But Donnie, what it says in here is true. I says, I want all the promises of God. I want them all. Your word of God. I don't want all of his promises. Some of them promise that you're going to go to hell if you don't live right. Amen. I don't want that one, Brother Cleo. I don't want to go to hell. But if we take this word and we let it get in our lives, it begins, see, it begins to put something in our lives. And being in harmony with God's word that that, that it governs the entire universe. It has incredible benefits in our life. Hebrews 10, 26 and 31 says, For if we sin willfully at that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sins. You know what that means? I'll read the rest of it for a second, but let me just explain that for a second. If you know better than what you're doing and you keep doing it, there is no sacrifice that's going to fix what you're doing. And that has to get in our spirit. That means, Brother Cliff, if, if we're doing something that we know is absolutely sin, it don't do you no good to keep going home and saying, God, forgive me of that. And you keep sinning, it says there's no sacrifice for that. He said he went on the right, but there's a certain fearful looking for a judgment of a fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. He that despised Moses' laws died without mercy under two or three witnesses. In other words, and you would just die under Mosaic law or something. There, there wasn't no mercy or grace in the Old Testament, Sister Lori. You, you followed the law and if they found you like an adulteress, you know? Like, like they brought the adulterous woman to Jesus and he's trying to bring grace and mercy. We found her in the act of adultery. And he said, you without sin, cast the first stone. He's established law of mercy. But see, if it had been before Jesus in the mosaic that brought somebody out there, all right, you've sinned. Boom, you're dead. But through grace and mercy, people's walking on God's mercy and not letting the fear of the Lord get in their life. And we need to understand just because there's mercy in, in the eye we're living in, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to just do anything you want. We still going to have a fear of God because in the end is what's going to matter. Just because, you know, you go run around uh, committing adultery or all this other stuff in the world, all these things, lying and cheating and stealing and all this stuff, and God's not struck you down dead, it doesn't mean that God's not going to put judgment in your life. 
and the fear of the Lord keeps us from, from uh, just going around and going against God's words. We need to fear the Lord. And you know what? If you're walking in sin, you will never have what you need really in your life with God. He goes on to write, Oh, how much more sore punishment suppose you shall be, uh, shall he be brought Let's do it again. How much more sore punishment suppose you shall he be brought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God and hath counted the blood the covenant word for or with? He was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. He said, I know they died immediately, but you think you're getting away with it? No, you're not. You think you're going to be any better than them? Only thing that's different right now is he's giving you a space of mercy to get yourself right. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto him. I will recompense, said the Lord. And again, the Lord said, Shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing. Everybody say it's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. But Donnie, people may think they're getting away with it right now by mistreating God's people or mistreating God's man or mistreating the house of God or mistreating, let's go farther than that, being not good stewards of the thing that God has given us. Or we can just walk right on down the line and thank you, I can do anything. Oh no, the fear of God has got to get a hold of our lives and it's got to rule our lives to where it gets us to where we understand. No, no, I might not be dropping dead because I'm sinning right now, but there is a judgment day that's coming and then there's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. There's a reckoning day coming. You may not fear him now, but the Bible still says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. But being in harmony with God's laws and his, that governs everything, there's benefits to it, folks. Some of the benefits come in this life. But most of the benefits, Brother Don, is going to come in the life to come. There's heaven. Amen? Eternal life of living, not eternal death. So this, this fear I'm talking about, let, let me bring it into the real perspective of what. Now, I, I promise you, I can, I, can send, I can spend seven weeks on the fear of the Lord. And I'm trying to convince it. It's been a long time on it. But I want to get the gist of this pillar that we need in our life. Because if you don't have real fear of the Lord in your life, you will not be established to serve Him like you should. So let's look at this. Let's look at our country right now. What is happening to our country with our young people? We can look at the disrespect in young people. Right? Everybody sees it. I mean, uh, I'm thankful we had a lot of kids here today. Thankful to see so many of them here. But as we was praying several times, I'm hearing in my background these kids talking, yakking, carrying off. Why? 30 years ago, that just didn't happen. You didn't walk into any church, any denomination, and kids act like In fact, you didn't walk into any church, and adults act like they do. Why? There's been a breakdown of the, of, of, of the type of fear that I'm talking about in the families. See, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? He goes on to say, for they verily for a few days chastise us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. 
Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Nobody like, other words, he said, nobody likes to get a whooping. All right? I didn't like to get a whooping. I remember when I was 12 years old, you've heard me talk about many times, Daddy beat the living bar out of me. It's one of the best things ever happened in my life, sister. Now, it changed my world. He said, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness and of them which are exercised. You know what? Let me tell you what. If you don't correct your child, that's what's wrong with our generation right now. People quit correcting their kids. I can't tell you the many the different people that I've talked to as adults that said, I never got a whooping when I was a kid. There is no way you was that good of a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. There is no way you're that good of a kid. And if I'm a betting person, your child could be full of rebellion. Why? Because godly fear comes through discipline of your father. Fear in a child. I mean, I've had kids not meaning to just totally disrespect me. And if I had done what some kids do, dude, I would be picking myself up off the ground somewhere if mom and dad was around if they wasn't around. I heard one man talking about it, and this is about how it was, and this is how it is at our house. Got trouble at school. I come home, they didn't ask my people. What'd you do wrong? I didn't do nothing. It don't matter. But what did that do? What's that do to us? It puts a something in us that begins to put a reverence. God's our family rules in our house is important, folks, okay? There has to be rules in your house. You can't let your kid just go running around all the house doing anything they want to do. And Brother David got Kennedy there at the house, you know. I, I remember when Brother John got sick in the hospital, we kept Randy and Macy with them, I think it's 10 days, whatever it was. I figured out our house wasn't childproof no more. We had to make our house childproof when our kids were certain age because we had to teach them that certain we got a stairway, you know. We had kept a gate up all the time. We kept it locked. Kids got over and did it, but them kids were going to look at that. You got they gotta learn, they gotta respect that spot. They gotta learn that you can't just touch a stove when it's hot or it's gonna burn you. So, you know what? The kid may reach up to touch it, but I smacked their hand. Oh, but I hurt them. You mean a little red spot on the top of their hand is gonna be worse than them blistering their entire hand and maybe to the point that it messes them up? See, this is the same way with God. We need to learn to take correction from God and learn to have a fear of God and a reverence. And you know what? The kid may be mad at you, but if it grows up, you know what? That time when Dad woke me and I swelled, left all them bruises all over me. Sure, I was upset, but you know what? Today, I'm so thankful for that beating I got from my daddy because it put something, it put a fear in my life and a respect for him, especially when he's doing it with tears dripping off his face. Knowing that he didn't want to do it, but he done it because he loved me, because he knew what it would do to me. 
Do you know God actually wants us to be his children? But we live in a world that's deceived and it's ruled by Satan. And, 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 and we've got to come out of the ways of Satan. We must not be the children of Satan. John 8 and 44, uh, Jesus told him, said, look, you're after your father, the devil. He's a liar, a liar from the beginning. Instead, we've we got to learn the ways of God's family. Learn the way of love. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to be like a weird contrast here because I'm going to turn from talking about fear to love. So I said, well, is that the same? Yes. This fear, this fear I'm talking about of God, it's really love. You see, John 148 says God is love. Matthew 22, 37, 40, it's, it's summarized uh, the love of God and the love of fellow men. And they said, what's the greatest commandment? It's always the love of the Lord thy God, all the heart, soul, mind, strength, and seconds is to love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, forgiveness and the fear of the Lord go hand in hand. We know the scripture, Romans, 8, uh, Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, every one of us has to deal with sin, and sin, sin will earn us death. The incredible scripture in the book of Psalms of 130, verse 3 and 4, listen to this scripture. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, which is sin, O Lord, who could stand? But listen to this last part of it. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Listen to that. There's forgiveness. He said, the psalmist said, there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You see, God offers forgiveness to those who repent. It gives us a reason to fear, a reason to change. It gives us a reason to be Eternally grateful and to grow in the love and to be more like our loving God. You see, now this is going to be like a weird contrast, but let me tie it together today. I've never done a lot more studying on this. I've never taught exactly like this. But this is truth today. You see, love casts out fear. How does love cast out fear? You see, the reverent, the reverent fear of the Lord is designed to help us to grow, to be more like Jesus, to grow in love. You see, when you teach that child as it's growing up, fear and discipline in its life, when it grows up, it'll have respect for others. It'll have a reverence for others. You know what it'll go? That child will have a love for other people. But when you don't teach that kid to fear anything, and you don't put no discipline in its life, it'll grow up not to love because it won't respect nobody. Because here's the thing, folks. Real respect, real fear is love. And that may sound odd and weird, but it's the truth. You see, As a child or a person grows, it removes any need to be terrified of God's 
judgment. Hear this. You see 1 John 4, 17 and 18 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. But fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What we got to understand here is there's different translations of, of the word fear. In one translation says uh, says this about this: "It's a love has perfect has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in his world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has been made perfect in love." The Greeks lexicon New Testament. Um, this is in this this commentary. It says talking about this is a slavish fear, which is not characterized our Christian a Christian uh, relationship with God. It's saying this fear right here. It's that one I was talking about at the beginning. That's afraid of, terrified of God, wow, of what He's going to do to you. That's not the fear God's looking for. He's looking for the one that has reverence, awe, and respect. Amen? And it it needs to have a reverence and awe along with respect. Because you can respect something and fear it, but not love it. For example, if there was a rattlesnake laying right here cooled up, fixed to strike me, I fear and respect that dude enough. I'm going to walk around him. But I don't love him so much that I'm going to take him home. I'm going to pick him up and start shouting with him. All right? I'm going to get me a gun. I'm going to blow his head off. And then I'm going to throw it in the road and I'm going to let every car come by and smash it. Make sure it's dead. Listen to it. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, this fear I'm talking about today, it, it, it causes us to volunteer, yield ourselves as a bond servant or slave to God. He's not, he's not abusive. He's not cruel. He's not a slave driver who just torments us and terrorizes us to the point. No, that's all he's talking about. We, we misunderstand and think that love casts out not only fear, but it's fear, the fear of the law. You don't even have to fear. You know, we live in a generation that's love, 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 love. We don't love, but you don't need the law. I don't know where you get that from. It's not from this Bible. God's law actually defines God's love. Putting a fear in your kids actually means you love them. I love my kid enough to, he came home smoking pot and drinking and all that. I love him enough to beat the snot out of him. Tori goes back out and he starts to do it. He won't do it. I love him enough, Brother Don, if I found a whole pack of cigarettes in his, in his room or I beat the son out of him. I don't want to be like Brother Don had to deal with COPD or 
don't know if your friend smoked or not. I have no idea. Dying of COPD. I'd rather beat it out of them now. Do they have respect and understand? He loved me enough to keep me from that in the future. This is what God's doing with, with the word of God. He loves us enough to put these laws in our life and establish something in us that when we finally get old enough, we realize something. Oh, that's why he didn't want me to do that. First John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Actually, says grievous. God wants his laws written in our heart. You see, the, the kind of fear I'm talking about is this. If we had no fear of being caught, would we choose to never lie to somebody or steal from somebody? Let's bring it into our times or, or click on that website or say them words when nobody's around or, or, or take that substance or do this. We Because we love We can never lose our respect and appreciation and fear of God. But we should grow beyond being motivated by solely by fear. But at some point that fear, we realize that fear that God's talking about is not that dreadful fear, but it's actually that awe and respect and love. Having a deep love and respect for God and His Word. Second Timothy 1 and 7, the different Greek word for fear. For God's not given us the spirit of fear, the power and love and the sound mind. That Greek word there, it means tiredness, timidness, fearfulness. There is eternal benefits from fearing God. The type of fear that he wants us. When he says the fear of the Lord and wisdom. You see, instead of being paralyzed by terror of a God that you feel is going to destroy him, there, there's a positive fear of God that we see in the Bible that is a key element in changing us. That wonderful woman downstairs is teaching them kids whether or not I have that type of fear for her. Now, when she gets to my brother, stuff caught me. It's scary. But Brother Donnie, I love her and I respect her. Our relationship, that I have the type of fear in my life that I'm not going to talk to nobody else. I'm not going to try to go out with anybody else. I'm not going to try to step out. I'm not going to try. Matter of fact, Things has changed. We were walking last night. She said, I can't believe it. I got you walking with me. I looked at her and said, you know, I, I kind of like to be around me. <laughs> She'd be sitting around reading a long time ago, and I'd say, why are you reading like that all the time? Now that I'm sitting around reading all the time. Now if I can just get her to like hunting and fishing. I'm not changing her, but she's no. You see what happens is your fear and your respect for each other. It begins to change you and mold you 
into each other. It helps, it helps us to have a proper, humble perspective of ourselves in our relationship with God. It helps us in times of temptation when we need to remember the serious consequences for disobeying God. It should motivate us to become more like our Creator. See, we doing these things, the fear of the Lord helps bring us eternal benefits. Let me throw you out a barrage of scriptures here real quick. Proverbs 10 and 27. Proverbs is so full of it. Proverbs 10 and 27, the fear of the Lord. Prolonged like days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Do you know if you really fear God, you'll live longer? Simple. How? I just mentioned it. You understand? I'm not going to take some substance in my body. It's going to destroy me. I'm not going to get out and, and take chances with my life and do dumb things. You'll live longer. It's pretty simple. But the years of the wicked shall be short. But people who don't care, they're getting out there, they don't fear God, they do anything and everything. You know what? They die all kinds of ways out there. Now I know God's also not a respected person and young Christians as well as old ones die. He goes on to say in Proverbs 14, 26, 27, the fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. You see, when we fear the Lord, he gives us a place that we can turn to, we can run to his loving arms and he'll protect us. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Depart to depart from the snares of death. He's saying, when you fear him, he, there's life for you. This, this fear, this reverence, this love. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. What's he saying? I'd rather just have my uh, my God and my Savior, my, my love and my life, and, not, and have just a little bit of house and a little bit of nothing, but fear him than to have a whole bunch of riches and be lost. Proverbs 16 and 16. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It's pretty self-explanatory, folks. That the fear of the Lord is going to keep us away from the evil things. Proverbs 19:23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall be satisfied. He shall not be satisfied, shall not be busy with evil. Listen, folks, when we have the fear of the Lord, it will satisfy you. You'll be looking for something else. You realize that God's love is all you need. Proverbs 22, 4 and 5. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are the way of the forward. He that doesn't keep his soul shall be far from them. Humility will have real riches and honor and life. Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thy expectations shall not be cut off. You know what he's saying? You know, look, don't you look at that person out there. They look like they don't fear God, and they're blessed with new cars and boats and trucks and houses and blah, 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 and all this stuff. But Brother Donnie, we got a greater reward. And that's not I mean God may bless you with all that stuff eventually. The New Testament, Jesus really puts it in perspective. I'm, I'm almost done here today. Jesus puts it in real perspective. Verse, Matthew 10, verse 28. 
And fear not them which kill the body. We're not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. I wonder if we could really get a fear of the Lord and understand the God who created the heaven and earth He's able to destroy more than just your body. No, he's not going to destroy that soul. But it's going to be judged by a righteous God. The fear of the Lord is so important. But David, we need to get that, that respect and awe of God, I love you so much. I'm afraid to break your laws. Because of, why? Because it's going to sever. As I mentioned, Sister Cheryl, I love her enough that, bro, I don't want, I don't want to be looking at pornography on my phone. It destroyed my relationship with her. I, I don't want to be doing things that just to make her mad destroy our relationship and that's the whole point of this today we need such a awe and respect for our relationship with God he created us folks now I know your mom and daddy you know past the seed and all that kind of stuff and you're here because of them but let me tell you what you're not you're here because of him you can trust him you see, the first pillar, prudence, just gives us good common sense. It gives, it gives us a, uh, begins to give us a plan with the second pillar of knowledge and discretion that we can begin to manage all of our resources, everything around us, and to begin to bring us to a place that we realize, okay, I'm going to use some good common sense and have some knowledge and discretion to make a plan, and it's going to cause me to fear the Lord. And I think maybe we can tell the fear of the Lord is a very important pillar in our life. You can't circumvent it. You can't go around it. You've got to have the fear of the Lord. I done read it. Hebrews 10, 31 said, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I don't want to fall in God's hands. Romans 14, 11 says, for it's written, as I've said the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess, so then every one of us is going to give account to himself of God. You're going to give account before God. You're going to stand before God. Every one of us are going to stand before God with David. And you know what he's going to do? He said the books were open. This is the book he's going to open. Sister Heather, he's going to open this book up. And he's going to begin to judge us. Right here. Return to Exodus chapter 20. And he's going to begin to read it. Lord thy God, one more. Worship him only. Don't have any other graven images. Amen. He's going to begin to look at your life. And any sin that you had committed that's not been repented of, see, because when we repent of sin, it gets wiped out. Because every out of word, every deed that you do is written in a book under your name. It could be written under Brother Donnie. Don't you? 
going to be written under your name. And brother, if there's unrepented sin in there, it's going to be in that book. And if that sin goes against what's in this book, you will be judged for it. What's the judgment of sin? I read it to us earlier, Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And we've got to get a fear inside to realize, okay, he's going to judge me by his word. And if I am not living according to his word, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. There's an answer for this today. We need to build an old-fashioned altar. I close with these scriptures is that Hebrews chapter 11. Perhaps no greater example of the fear of the Lord than this. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things seen, not seen as of yet, moved with fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. We need to be moved by the fear of God to prepare an ark for the safety of our family. What causes us to fear something? Think about that. Just ponder that in your mind for a second. What causes us to fear something? Why would you fear anything? You have faith in it. You trust it. You know why I fear that rattlesnake? I started hearing that rattle going off. It let me know that's a rattlesnake. I have faith in him. If I walk close enough, he's going to bite me. Talking about that cliff earlier, you know why I wouldn't just take off running trying to jump across a hundred foot cliff? It may be maybe the opposite of faith. I don't have enough faith in my legs to jump me a hundred feet. Ten feet. Isaiah 57 11 says, And of whom hast thou been afraid of or feared? Thou hast lied, hast not remembered me, nor laid it to heart. Have not I held my peace of old, and thou fearest me not? You listen to this statement, okay? Because this is the bottom line of everything that I'm saying today. You will serve who you fear. You will serve who you fear. If you fear man, you'll serve him by slaving for money, their approval, or to get in a relationship with them. If you're afraid they're going to leave you and all that kind of stuff, you'll fear woman or man. You'll serve. You'll, your life will be dependent on what that person says. Does God have to continually impress you for you to serve Him and fear Him? Or can we simply just love and take His love? Last scripture, you can stand with me. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Solomon writing, not in Proverbs, but in Ecclesiastes. Yes, be quiet, you come in, sit down. Don't go out. 
We sit down and be quiet. Last scripture. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Everybody say fear God. And keep his commandments. What does it say? For this is the whole duty of man. You know what your duty is? To fear God and keep his commandments. And Brother Donnie, if we fear him, we'll serve him. But if we don't fear him, we'll serve whenever we fear him. Amen. Now I know I've talked some to some hearts and minds today, and I want us to get some deep thought. I have grazed this subject today. I have so many scriptures and so many different notes on this subject. It is deep. It's powerful. And matter of fact, it is the root of whether you'll live for God or not. Because you will serve who you fear. I said here a while back, it's amazing. Monday is the day that more miracles happen than any other day of the week. Because people are sicker than a dog when they can't make it to church on Sunday. But Monday morning, there's a miracle that happens in their life. And they're at work. Why is that? They fear man and the dollar more than they do God. Just something about them. Now, if you're sick or a dog, you're going to make everybody sick and you're not feeling God's going to heal you, stay home. But, Lord, we love you. Ask you to touch us today. Lord, let us begin to build some things in our life. Let's just begin to use, God, what you give every one of us, God, just some good old common sense. To, you give us all a brain, God. And I know we sometimes we don't use it like we should. But God, I'm asking to help us. Help us to do things, God, in our brain to begin to stretch it. Like reading the Word of God and praying, God. Let our mind be God brought to the place that you can use us in a great way. Lord, I'm asking you today, God, to touch us. Lord, that we can begin to use, God, the common sense you give us to begin to make a plan in our life, God. Lord, to have this knowledge and discretion, God, that we can develop in our lives a healthy fear, Lord, that you want us to have. Not a fear of dread, but God, that fear of reverence, that, that fear that we have all. We respect you because you are our creator. You created us. You created us to love you. You created us to serve you. And, and God, your laws are not grievous, God. You give us these laws, God, that, that we can fulfill what you said in John 10 and 10. I know the devil wants to steal and kill and destroy, but God, your desire is to give us life, but not just life, but life more abundantly. And I know that only comes, God, by us fearing you and trusting you and having faith in you, God. Let us, God, be as Noah today. Be moved by fear, God, that we will begin to build an ark, God. Lord, just that goes along with the pillars, God, that Noah built this ark, God. He used wisdom and discretion. And he built something, God, that would save him and his family. Let's build something, God. Build a place, God, for our lives, our family, and those around us that can look at us, God, and we can be an example, God, the people around us, God. We have such a fear in our lives, God, that we wouldn't sin against you. We wouldn't sin against people. We would treat people right and love you and love everybody around us, God. Oh, God, we love you. We praise you. We thank Thank you, God. Oh, God, help us to fear you, God, with a love and respect and an honor, God. 
We love you. We thank you so much. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Help us, God. Help us in this place today, God. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory. Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah. Amen. I challenge you. We're going to close here today. I challenge you. Where does the fear of the Lord come from? It's the knowledge of this. You're not going to fear something you don't know about. It's that simple. Why does kids do things that uh, we think from this point of view that's in here? Well, how many kids do you hear about picking a gun up and shooting? I just heard the story. I don't know where it's at. It's from somewhere close. A child. He was shooting herself or somebody else with a gun. That's why we don't take loaded 9mm pistols and lay them on our, on, our, on our table with kids around. Because they don't know any better. That's why if you're going to have a gun in your house, you got to teach them to respect that gun. Right, let me take it farther than that. You all agree with that, right? That's why if you're going to have a television in your home, you're going to have internet, you're going to allow your kids to have phones, you can't just give it to them and release them with it. You've got to teach them to respect it. You've got to teach them to do it right. You've got to teach them how to use it. So it's no good to have a Bible sitting around your house and they don't know nothing about it. You've got to teach them. Teach them what this word is. If you don't know, get in it and dig. If you don't know and you need some help, ask them. I'll give you a Bible study. We've got to know. Because this is the source of our fear. To really love God like we need. Amen. Dear Lord, good hand. Thanks for being here. This will be long today because every time I've ever done it, it's come